Hi there, Rachel here. If you're listening to this episode in May of 2024, I have some big news. After selling out during the holiday season, my Flex of Gold journal is available for pre-order right now and will be shipping to your home by the end of June. To celebrate, we're running an amazing pre-order sale for Mother's Day. Purchase the journal before May 13th and you'll get $10 off every journal. This is our best price of the year, even better than Black Friday, so it's the perfect time to stock up for gifts for family and friends. This three-year journal helps mothers to notice, savor, and write down the fleeting golden moments that they experience with their children each day. So go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to reserve your copy, and you'll also see our brand new cover colors, as well as our new cover option, which is a wipeable vegan leather. So again, go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to pre-order your journal, and from now until Mother's Day 2024, they'll be marked down by $10 each. I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms. And before we start today's episode, I want to remind you of a gift to yourself that would be perfect as we are approaching the new year. And that is my Flex of Gold journal. This is a beautiful embossed linen bound journal where you write down a golden moment from each day with your children. This quick gratitude practice is especially important if you are in a difficult season of motherhood where it's hard to feel and see the joy in your life. One mother, Nicole from Utah, has been using the journal for a couple of years, and she said this, Before I got my Flexigold journal, I was exhausted physically and mentally. I dreaded going to bed because it meant I would have to wake up and do it all over again. I have faithfully written in my journal every day since the beginning of 2021. I love going to bed now because I take a few minutes to ponder about my day and write down a fleck of gold. I tell my husband all the time that I go to bed feeling fulfilled and content because I'm remembering and focusing on the good that happens during the day and not the bad times we had. My days are still full of tantrums, fighting kids, messes to clean up, and frustrations, but I've learned how to focus on and look for the flecks of gold. This journal has been a life changer for me, so I've given copies to my sisters, friends, and neighbors so they can experience the change that I have, end quote. Thank you so much for that testimonial, Nicole, and for buying copies of the journal for the women in your life. This journal is truly the perfect new habit to start with the new year. To get a copy for yourself, go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold and use the discount code 3in30 for 10% off. That's 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold and use the code 3in30 for 10% off. Welcome to 3in30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Ah, the unique challenge and blessing of having a strong-willed child. If you have one or several, you know what I'm talking about. And in today's episode, I'm interviewing an expert who is going to help us. Wendy Snyder is a positive parenting educator and family life coach and advocate who first got started in the world of positive parenting when her own beautiful, strong-willed daughter, Stella, gave her so many challenges. She dove into the research and received certifications in redirecting children's behavior and the joy of parenting program. This eventually led her to launching her own online business, Fresh Start Family, where she spreads the message of positive parenting that rescued her as she struggled through her journey of new motherhood with a strong-willed child. 
She is passionate about helping other mothers who have similar children, and I know you're going to relate so much to Wendy's experience. I can't wait for us to get to learn from her, so let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Wendy Snyder from Fresh Start Family. Wendy, I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome to 3 and 30. Thanks for having me, Rachel. I am so excited to be here myself. Well, as I read through your outline, I was actually chuckling the whole time because it sounds like you have a daughter that is very much like my son. <laughs> and so I related to all of your takeaways, and they are cactus kids, as you call them. I love this metaphor, and I was wondering if you could just start by explaining what is a cactus kid. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love it when this happens in an interview and we can like really jive when we know exactly what's what, when we have one that's similar. Right. So that's that's good news. So cactus kids. So I started referring to my beautiful, beautiful, strong willed little girl as a cactus kid. I don't know, seven, eight years ago, because I live in Southern California. I love succulents and cactus. I deal with them a lot here. We have a lot in our garden and they can be obviously really prickly. And if you don't know, like if you don't have the proper tools, to handle them or replant them or know what type of soil and water they need, then it can just be awful to have cactus in your garden. It can be, I mean, they can literally bloody you, right? <laughs> they can hurt mm. you. <laughs> they can make life miserable. And so with strong-willed kids, it's an analogy that I like to use because I think those of us who get blessed with strong-willed kids without the proper tools and really getting poured into as far as how we can raise them in ways that are different than other kids, then life can just really become a living hell, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And so I have a strong-willed kid myself. It's the reason why I became an educator. And I love supporting families who have strong-willed kids because it is an extra degree of difficulty if you got blessed with one. And boy, are they just, the world needs them. We're going to talk about a lot around strong-willed kids today. And it's just a lot to be able to raise them. And I just want to make sure I'm coming beside families of strong-willed kids and giving them the proper tools and helping them understand what type of soil and sunlight and all the things that these kids need in order to thrive. Because when you have those tools and you have the right mindset, you're able to communicate in a way that works actually well for these kids. Life is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, cactus and succulent, they're so beautiful. Yes. And that's true of these kids too. They're different than other kids, but they are so beautiful. I think of with a cactus, like they're strong, they're powerful. That's our kids. But if you're not prepared for a cactus, it's a learning journey. And you and I both have a second child. We talked a little bit before we started recording that is more easygoing. And it's made me realize that Truly, these children do need to be parented differently, and the strategies that work with my less strong-willed daughter don't work with my son. And it's helped me to realize that this isn't me. This isn't my fault that he's strong-willed or something I did wrong. This is how he came, and I can really nurture the best in him and be the parent that he needs and see the good in him, which is a lot of what we are going to be talking about today. So why don't we just jump right into your first takeaway of how do we parent these cactus kids well? Yes. Okay. So number one out the gate is the mindset piece. And I know as parents, like, 
just tell us what to do, right? Like, what do you say? <laughs> this kid is like, no, for the 50th time today. And you guys got to trust me. The mindset piece is really, in my opinion, the most important part. Really looking at what are the thoughts that we're constantly feeding and engaging with about our kids. And I can speak to this from personal experience, not just from my experience with all my students, but really as just a mom of one, like I found this work about 12 years ago. And I started staying home with Stella when she was about three. That was when I had my second. This is when, like, I literally almost lost my mind. Mm -hmm. But it was from, like, you know, about three to four before I had really found positive parenting and gotten into it and got the coaching and the mentorship and the education to be able to change my mindset around her. And it was, like I said, it just felt like hell. Like, every day I just wondered, like, what is wrong with this kid? Mm -hmm. Like, she is out of control. She's stubborn. She's super bossy, like she's disobedient, you know, she's rebellious, she's defiant, she's difficult. Like if she were just to change, then life would be so much easier. And so I built a lot of my daily practices on how do I get control of this kid? Because traditional culture will send you the message of you got to control your kids. If you don't have control of your kids, then you're a bad parent. And so mm. it just became really tough. Like she was in timeout 50 times a day. I was just like really wondering like what could be wrong with this kid. And so that was the way I was thinking about her. I even had her at doctor's appointments thinking something's got to be wrong with her. Nothing was wrong with her. She's just a section of the next generation of leaders. And that's what strong-willed kids are. And we have to remember that they are not a hindrance to our world. They really are. Like if you think about some of your favorite leaders in the world, right? Like whether it was your favorite boss or someone who's changed the world, like Martin Luther King Jr. or Nelson Mandela or Malala Yousafzai, you look at their leadership and you describe them. And we use words like decisive and determined and persistent and authoritative and confident, valiant, gutsy, committed, resourceful, non-conforming, and bold. And we see those type of leaders and we're like, dang, that's amazing, right? Like that's how they change the world. That's how they step out and speak up for justice when no one else is, right? They have the courage just to stand outside the box. But when our kids are little, we don't usually see them like that until mm. we get some inspiration to do it differently. So once I started to see Stella in this capacity and really change the way I thought about her, then naturally it was much easier for me to be able to change my behavior and my communication with her. Because what we have to understand is our thoughts will lead us to have feelings, which then lead us to have actions. So when we think differently about when our kids are pushing back and challenging their rules and saying no again, like, trust me, remember, I get it. These kids say no exponentially more times than your other kiddo that might have an easier going personality. Mm -hmm. But we can, we have the power to create feelings of empowerment and confidence and creativity which we really need as parents in order to like handle conflicts and redirect misbehavior with integrity. But we can guide that from our thoughts instead of falling into judgment and annoyance and irritation and frustration and anger. Yes. So we just have to remember, we really are in charge of our thoughts. I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but it takes practice and it takes oftentimes having a support, right? Whether it's a program or a coach, whatever it may be, but just to consistently say, hold up, take a step backwards and remember, it's an honor to raise this kid. And right now it's presenting itself in a really 
inconvenient way. However, I'm going to see this child as the next generation of leader and remember that I have the opportunity to mentor and guide them on how to be a leader instead of making them try to stop wanting to be a leader. Yeah. Oh, and you're so right that the words that we use to describe our kids or even that we never say out loud, but we think in our own heads about our kids sets the tone for how we engage with them, how we communicate with them. I had an experience recently. My son just started middle school, and so it's a new academic environment, and this is not a kid who is a people pleaser or perfectionist, and I am. (laughs) I was at his age. So it's been interesting for me to watch how he's navigated this new academic load and how he doesn't care about it. (laughs) And I'm like sitting down with him and trying to encourage him to do his work, but also trying to give him the independence that he needs and not be a hover parent. And I found myself kind of having these thoughts that I was not saying out loud, but to myself, I just was worrying about him a lot. I was catastrophizing into the future. If he can't even handle middle school academics and he won't do his homework, how is he ever going to succeed in high school? How is he ever going to succeed in the world? I found myself thinking like, he's never going to be able to hold down a job. He's not going to be able to work hard at anything. And I just finally stopped. I said, hold up, Rachel. Like worrying about Noah, whether or not you say it out loud, is doing nothing but bringing a negative energy to all of your interactions, a panicked energy. Instead, why don't you start thinking, he is going to be an amazing adult. He may not be just like me in academics, but he's going to find his thing and his purpose and he's going to pour into it. And I refuse to spend his entire adolescence worrying about him and catastrophizing that, you know, he's not going to be this cookie cutter mold of maybe how I was. And so I just decided I'm going to change my thoughts around him, the energy that I'm bringing to my interactions with him when it comes to school and just believing like he's got this, he's going to figure it out and he's going to have an awesome life and I'm going to be there to guide him all along the way. And just shifting that in my mind has made a big difference in the way that I talk to him and approach him and in our relationship. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Ferity, a family brand founded to prioritize craftsmanship, sustainability, and comfort in the clothing industry. Alex Ferity is a dad who started this company with his wife, Carrie, and his twin brother, Mike. They channeled their love of the beach lifestyle into clothing for life's greatest moments. I love wearing dresses, and I have my eye on the Susanna smocked dress in Montserrat floral. It looks beautiful, comfortable, and just the right amount of flowy for everyday wear. Every piece of Faraday clothing is designed to be a lifetime favorite, and if anything happens along the way, Faraday will replace or fix your clothes for life, no matter what. Now that is a quality guarantee that I respect. I also respect Faraday's ongoing partnership with Native Designers to help end appropriation in fashion. This is a company that definitely stands behind their values and one I can feel good about supporting. Faraday is giving all 3 and 30 listeners an amazing deal, 20% off on your order. Head to faradaybrand.com slash 3 and 30 and use code 3 and 30 at checkout to get this deal. That's code 3 and 30 at Faraday, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, brand.com slash 3 and 30 for 20% off. Faradaybrand.com slash 3 and 30. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Do you ever wish life came with a user manual? Uh, I definitely do. 
Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck or burned out. There are so many logistics to consider every day when you're a mom, and that can lead to decision fatigue. I know for me, I want to be present during the holidays and not burned out and withdrawn. That's why I'm so grateful to have a trusted professional counselor in my life to help me process my experiences and my roles as parent, business owner, wife, and friend. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 and 30. So then what is your second takeaway for how we can raise these cactus kids with love? Yes. Okay. So we want to have a goal on a day-to-day basis to empower as much as possible. So I remember when Stella was little, you know, around every corner, it was like, okay, we're going to take a walk. Look, we're going to go left. And she'd be like, we're going right. (laughs) If I was like, don't pull the dog's tail, she'd like pull the dog's tail even harder. If I was like, no, don't shake the baby, she'd like shake it even harder, right? Like just that season when I think back was so intense. And I just remember really thinking when I took my first class and hired my first coach, it was like, she told me empower. And I thought to myself, oh, no, no, no. If you give this kid an inch, she's going to take a mile. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this kid, the last thing she needs is more power. Like, I'm a power girl myself. I love to lead, right? Like, I'm a type A. I'm, so we always joke in the strong-willed kids world that the apple doesn't fall far. <laughs> Usually, mm-hmm. if you have a strong-willed kid, either mom or dad has a strong will. But I really used to think the last thing she needs is more power. She needs to be put in her place. She's going to become this entitled Like she'll just keep taking, taking, taking power. And so what I realized is that it was the farthest thing from the truth possible because as soon as we started changing the way we communicated with her, the way we stuck to boundaries, and the way we really influenced her to cooperate on a day-to-day basis, she naturally started to respond and listen and do what was asked of her a lot easier. Mm. So the thing we have to know about all humans, like all kids, all humans, everybody's got these basic needs. One of the basic needs is the need to feel powerful. There's also the need to belong, which is huge. Mm -hmm. So you see so many kids starting to dip down into like peer pressure and like doing stuff with their friends, all the things. So the need to belong is massive, but the need to feel powerful is really, really big for every human being. But strong-willed kids especially, they have this huge bucket. Mm -hmm. Same with the need to feel powerful. So what happens with these kids often is that when There's a lot of external controls being used, which is kind of the hand-me-down tactics of parenting. So fear, force, bribery, and rewards. It's I pull the strings, I control, right? So I might threaten you. You're going to get your phone taken away. You're not going to get dessert. You might get, I'm going to threaten you with a consequence, a timeout, like those type of things. And a lot of times these kids roll around every day with not a huge sense of power. So then they find these little pockets to feel powerful and it comes out in really unhealthy ways. Like they won't put their shoes on. 
They won't cooperate, all the things. They won't sit still at the dinner table. So we want to teach them, okay, there's all these ways that you can contribute to the family. You can operate on a day-to-day basis with your friends, your neighbors in the classroom, with me, things around the house that are going to pour into your desire to feel powerful. So some of the things I have on our outline, Rachel, one of my favorites, just to keep it simple today, because I... there's, this is a lot under this one, but one of my favorites is just to put them in charge of things. So mm. this works incredibly well when they're little and just different. The same strategy applies when they're older, but it's just a little different. But like make them the president of the car, like the seatbelts, put them in charge. If you sense and even if you don't sense, there's two ways to look at this. Every day you wake up, you look at your little strong little kid and you're like, how many, make it a game. Like how many times am I going to find to put this kid in charge of something today? And you'll see that they often perk up. They're like, yes, I will be the president. Yes, I will be in charge. Yes, I will make sure baby brother has his shoes on. Like they just love it, right? And the opposite of this, sometimes if I'm in the passenger seat of a vehicle and my husband's driving... I will like come out of my skin because I want him to like go my way if we're parking at the beach or something and it can be stressful. So some of you may be able to identify with that. That's how strong-willed kids feel when they just, it's like compliance statements all day long, right? Kids in elementary school are known to get up to a thousand compliance statements a day. Get up, brush your teeth, make your bed, put your shoes on, get your backpack, get in the car, stand up, say the pledge, sit down, sit still. And so they're just kind of seeking and looking for ways to feel powerful. But you really want to be looking at what can I do to put this kid in charge? Vice president of the radio on the way home, in charge of the timer. If we're going to leave the park in five minutes or 10 minutes, can you be in charge of setting the timer on the iPhone? Those are just Mm -hmm. some examples. Yeah. Well, I have a funny story about Noah that happened maybe a year ago. The leader of the children's organization at our church asked me if Noah would like to conduct a meeting and like stand up there and welcome everyone and direct through the program or whatever. And I asked Noah and he paused and he said, would I? I'm not going to pass up on this opportunity. (laughs) I was dying. That's the perfect example, Rachel. He was so thrilled. And so many kids would be like, heck no, I don't want to stand up in front of everyone and do that. And he was like, so you saw this little like power surge go through him. I'm not going to pass up on this opportunity. And so I agree, like finding as many opportunities to let them lead as possible. It is hard, though, because you mentioned this a little earlier. These strong-willed kids are often very, very smart. Noah can smell BS a mile away. The responsibility has to be real. If I'm just making it up to try to throw him a bone or something, he doesn't want that. It's when he recognizes that it's something that's actually meaningful to the family that's going to make a difference that interests him because he, he also yeah. isn't really into exerting himself in any way that he is not interested in. So, <laughs> if, like, <laughs> But if I can find that perfect thing that he's interested in, that he believes the responsibility is real and that he can really have leadership over, he will take it and run with it. So you have a teenager now. You're strong-willed. Stella is a teenager. How have you seen this manifest in her as a teen? How have you continued to try to give her sort of these leadership opportunities or empower her in this way? Oh my gosh, Rachel. 
I am in awe right now of watching Stella because we've been in this work now for 12 years. And again, this was the kid that I almost lost my mind over. I literally feel like I almost had a nervous breakdown when she was three, four years old. And now she thrives in life. And so it's stacked, right? Like all the empowerment over the years has definitely stacked. And now you can sense like I see such a strong difference with her versus I'm going to say like 98% of her friends, they all are rebelling. They have a lot of them really strenuous relationships with their parents. They're hiding, they're lying, they're engaging in activities that are super sketchy, all the things, right? And I'm like, dang, how do we get here where this teenager tells us everything? She's able to stay out of like the peer pressure type stuff that 15-year-olds start doing in Southern California. She's thriving in school, music, arts, whatever, sports. So I look at it. And so some of the examples I'd say over the years are like, I'll give you two. A lot of people are going to be like, what? But we've made the decision early on that we would never force homework on her. Mm -hmm. So we watched the film Race to Nowhere early on when she was in kindergarten, thank God. And it really shaped our perspective of what we wanted her school experience to be like. And so we told her teacher from early on, like, hey, we're going to encourage her to do her homework and her sight words and practice, but we're more concerned about having her in trees, healthy meals, dinner at night, and having a great relationship with their parents. And if so, if she turns in a homework packet that's not finished, just know that that's what's going on. But we, we are going to read every night, like all the things. And so we just made this pact that we were never going to force her. And over the years, I've seen over and over and over again, parents end up in full-blown power struggles at night over homework, oftentimes in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. Another example would be like, she's always had an entrepreneurship heart. Mm -hmm. And so there was like mornings where she wanted to sell rocks at 8 a.m. on a Monday. And my knee-jerk reaction was like, this is dumb. Like, no, I will be in charge of the activities for the day. We're not going to sell rocks. Judgment, making her wrong. I was going to be in charge. That was the knee-jerk. And I remember the day where I was like, you know what? Cool. It's Monday. If you want to be in charge of the activity for the day, go for it. You're in charge. What do you want to name it? What do you want to name the business? She made six bucks that morning selling rocks out front. Mm. So you can see how those are little nuggets of examples where we just were like, you know what? You're in charge. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Yeah. And, and those little businesses popped up a lot over the years. We have a lot of those stories of how she wanted to do something like that. And we were like, cool, go for it. We'll support you. Yeah. I love these stories. They give me so much hope. Everything that you said about homework is completely substantiated by the book, The Self-Driven Child. If anyone has read that, like the more you micromanage, the less self-driven your kids become. And so consider that if you're starting to get into major power struggles with your kids over schooling and academics. And I love hearing about the little budding entrepreneur. And I can't wait to see what Stella does someday. She's going to be amazing. Yeah. So what is your third takeaway for raising and loving cactus kids? Okay, so my third takeaway, it's essentially choices, Rachel, we're going to talk about it. But I know a lot of people will dismiss choices like, yeah, 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 I give my kid choices and still, right? Like it's, I'm talking about using choices as just one way to take a break from external controls and move into power struggle dissolving strategies instead. Okay. So choices can become a bit of a language if you don't panic when they don't work perfectly all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you really come at it from an angle of, let me just look at the data. If I give my kid a compliance statement right now and I'm like, it's time to leave the park. Or 
I came in the next day and I'm like, hey, do you want to leave now or in five minutes? Guaranteed, I'll bet you a thousand million dollars in Las Vegas. They are going to respond faster and easier with the second one, right? Mm -hmm. When we tap into our creative brain instead of our panic brain and we're like, okay, what tools can we use? And using choices is just one of like, we teach 10 power struggle dissolving strategies at Fresh Start Family. So it's like when you're locked in combat, what do you actually do to get them to move? Because if we're being honest, what we normally do a lot of times when you're not like super fluent in this language of positive parenting or power struggle dissolving tools is we'll move to threats. Mm -hmm. If you don't get oh, in the yeah. car, you're not going to get this. If you don't get in the car, then this will happen. And it can be a variety of things. It can be the show before their nap. It can be the fruit snacks in the car. It can be threats of a timeout or whatever it may be. But this is the opposite of that. It's just one way to use empowerment and connection to actually inspire them to change or to cooperate. Here's some other examples. Should we hop to the car like kangaroos or gallop like a show horse? Like if you have boys, it's like, hey, do you want to like take a shower fast like LeBron James or even faster like Kobe Bryant? Do you want to play the quiet game in the car or put the troll soundtrack on like crazy loud? Do you want to put your shoes on all by yourself or do you want to have me help you? I don't know if you have show notes. If you do, I have an Instagram post that gives like a million more. And inside our programs, we give a million more. Mm -hmm. Like even we're talking about chores as kids get older. One of the examples I can give you there is like if I have a kiddo that pushes back on wiping down the counters, one of my favorite verbiage is, is I can see you don't want to and we need to get it done. So would you rather take out the trash or wipe down the counters? You know, mm -hmm. or if they're loading the dishwasher no, no worries. I get it. I can see you don't want to. And we need to get it done. So would you like to go change the laundry right now, like the wash to the dryer? Or would you rather continue to do the dishwasher? Mm -hmm. Like that simple step really can cause kids to be like, okay, they feel connected. Oftentimes you're doing it together. You're respecting them. You're not just saying it's my way or the highway. And mm -hmm. if you don't do what I'm asking, there's going to be an external control slap down on you. Because mm. We can talk about discipline another episode, maybe. I would love to come back one time. But these power kids are really sensitive to external controls and also like any type of threats or punishment, like anything that's deemed as punishment to them, they will flare up so fast and again, mm. often make life hell. Mm -hmm. So what do you do if your child says neither? <laughs> they don't want to do either of the two fun choices you just gave them or reasonable choices you just gave them. Such a good question. No, everyone's asking that. So the first thing you do is you don't panic. Again, back to our number one point, mindset. Of course, we push back on this because this is a power kid. He loves to lead. What, did I really expect anything different? That's first off. Instead of like, oh my gosh, this is not working. I just need to threaten the iPad. So you don't panic. And then you just roll into another choice. So say a kid that's like, do you want to wear the red shoes or the blue shoes? And they're like, neither. And you're like, okay, well, do you want to choose a different color or do you want me to choose? And then it, I always say if they don't make a choice, that is a choice. Mm. So especially when kids are little, you pick them up and you let them know, okay, well, next time you get to choose. You didn't make the choice. So mama made the choice. But next time you can try again. You can make a different choice. But the biggest thing, if you have the kiddo that always chooses the third or wants the third, fourth, fifth option, just don't panic. Just go with it. Yeah, for sure. And I think playfulness, especially when your kids are little, 
can be a huge way to dissolve power struggle. So if you give them a choice and they say neither, and you're like, oh gosh, here we go. You know, I was trying to dissolve a power struggle and now I think we're heading into one. You can just say, well, then I'm going to wear your shoes instead and put them (laughs) on your feet and start like tromping around pretending, you know, and then they're laughing and you diffused it and then they can make the choice then or you can just put the shoes on their feet and go. Anything that you can be playful to diffuse it. Sometimes I felt like with Noah when he was in certain moods, choices when he was younger, choices made him realize that there was an opportunity for a power struggle. So if I would say to him, do you want to wear the blue coat or the red coat? It was like all of a sudden he was like, oh, and now is my chance. I'm not going to wear a coat. So sometimes it was better for me to just talk to him, distract him, play with him and put a coat on him. Yeah, absolutely. Then to like ask and then invite. So I feel like getting curious about your kids and figuring out how do I give them the sense of power? How do I include as many choices as I can? while not inviting power struggles. And if power struggles happen, how do I dissolve them through playfulness, through one of your other techniques that you teach about conflict revolution and talking through it with them? And all of those things can be really, really powerful. Yeah, playfulness is one of our tools of the 10 that we, it's called do the unexpected. Mm, So like I was a springboard diver growing up. And so sometimes I would just do a handstand against the wall (laughs) and say like, fine, I'll wait here. Let me know when you're done, but I'm going to die because all the blood's going to my head and laughing. Like, but do the unexpected. You can do an accent. You can do like, please, we we can't go barefoot because we'll step on a bee and you hate bees. So I'm going to ask you again, would you like the red shoes or the blue shoes? Like doing the unexpected often includes that element of play. And it is a wonderful strategy because choices, Mm. you're right. Like. We're not going to put all of our eggs in one basket, right? Like there are 10 different things. This is just (laughs) one idea. But I promise you, if you become pretty fluent at it and it's not used as like a convince them like trick, it's more honestly like, hey, here's our choices. You're in charge. You're in Mm. charge. You're in charge. You're in charge. And then should you not choose, mama will choose. You can try again tomorrow. Yeah. I love how you frame that as becoming fluent in it, having it just become part of your vernacular of like, my kids have choices. I'm not controlling them all the time, every minute of every day. So this has been really inspiring, windy and helpful. I wish I could have had this when Noah was a toddler when I was figuring all of this out. But somehow I figured out some of it, not all of it, but some of it. And to all of you listening who have strong willed kids, you can do this. We're rooting for you. And I hope that these tips that Wendy shared today will be really, really helpful. So Wendy, where can they learn more from you as I know they're going to want to? Yes. Thank you for asking, Rachel. Yeah, you guys come find me. The website's freshstartfamilyonline.com. We always have a free learning guide, starter pack there for you guys. And if you love the power struggle stuff, if you got the strong-willed kid, you got to come over and join me for a free workshop I teach on power struggles. And that is at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash power struggles class. And then lastly, I love to teach on Instagram. I do a lot of free stuff there and I'm at freshstartwendy. And then I guess one more thing, Rachel, is our podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. Obviously, if you listen to Rachel's amazing show, you guys like podcasts. My husband co-hosts with me, and it's called The Fresh Start Family Show. So come have a listen. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Wendy, for coming on 3 and 30. Thanks, Rachel. That was such a fun conversation for me to be able to connect with and commiserate a little bit with and laugh with another mom of a strong-willed child. I hope you felt that too as you listened. If you're listening to this episode right when it airs, this week might be the beginning of your kid's winter break from school, which is such a fun time, but can also be a really 
overstimulating, challenging time for cactus kids with lots of opportunities for power struggles. So consider this episode my holiday gift to you. I hope the takeaways Wendy shared will make the next week or two with your family a bit more peaceful. And as a reminder, those takeaways are, first, be aware of the way you're thinking about your strong-willed child and practice thinking about them differently. Are you subconsciously casting them as your enemy or someone to be controlled or subdued, even if it's just in your mind? When you catch yourself thinking of them as demanding, defiant, and difficult, take a deep breath and try on some different words. Determined, bold, non-conforming, and a leader. This small shift in the way you think about your child and talk to others about them will impact the way that you interact with your child. Second, on a day-to-day basis, have a goal to give your cactus kid opportunities for power and leadership as often as possible. This might look like putting them in charge of projects or duties, such as president of the family holiday decoration committee or captain of the car, making sure everyone's buckled up and then choosing the music. Remember, the responsibilities have to be something that interests them, especially as they get older, that they can feel a sense of ownership over. Last winter break, my Noah loved hosting a day camp for kindergartners where he planned crafts and games and made some money. Little entrepreneurship endeavors are a great way to empower strong-willed kids to use their creativity and passion in positive ways. And third and finally, dissolve power struggles instead of engaging in them. One way to dissolve a power struggle is to give a child some choices or to use phrases like, I can see that you don't want to do this and we still need to get it done, so how are we going to get this done as a team? You might also try to do something unexpected or playful to diffuse the tension and reassure your child that you're not trying to control them. As we wrap up this episode, I want you to know that I believe in you. Having a strong-willed child is incredibly stretching, but we are up for the challenge, and I know we will be better mothers and human beings as a result of this work. I'm cheering you on, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.